Welcome to Audio of the Divine Principle, a daily reading of the Divine Principle, which is the core text of the Unificationist community. Since Christ will be born on the earth at his second advent, it is written, She brought forth a male child, one is to rule all nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The rod of iron here signifies the word of God, with which the Lord will judge the sinful world and restore the kingdom of heaven on earth. It was earlier explained in detail that judgment by fire is judgment by the word. Hence, the word of Jesus, which will be our judge on the last day, is the same word by which heaven and earth will be cast into a fire of judgment, and is the very breath of the Lord's mouth by which he will slay the lawless one. The word Jesus speaks is also called the breath of his lips and the rod of his mouth. It is symbolized by the rod of iron, as it is written, He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and when earthen pots are broken in pieces. The verse speaks of a male child, who is born of a woman and is caught up to God and to his throne. Who then is born of a woman as someone worthy to sit on God's throne and rule all the nations with the word of God? He can be none other than Christ at the second advent, who will be born on the earth with a new name known only to himself. He will rule as the king of kings and build the kingdom of heaven on earth. At the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, there is a record of the four adulterous or Gentile women in Jesus' lineage. This shows that the Savior of humankind is to be born as a sinless man out of a many sinful lineage to save all the descendants of sinful lineages. Many Christians have interpreted the woman in the above verse as the church. They drew this interpretation based on the premise that Christ at the second advent would come on the clouds. Some Christians believe that the second advent of Christ occurs whenever Jesus comes to dwell within the hearts of the people through the descent of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has been dwelling within the hearts of faithful believers ever since his resurrection and the Holy Spirit's descent at Pentecost. If this were really truly the second advent, then it has already took place 2,000 years ago. Moreover, some denominations teach that Jesus will return as a spirit. However, immediately after his resurrection from the tomb of his third day, Jesus appeared before his disciples with the same appearance as he had during his earthly life. Ever since that time, he was freely visited and taught many Christians who had attained a high spiritual level. Thus, this sort of second coming also first took place 2,000 years ago. If these were correct understandings, then we would have no reason to anticipate the historical second advent and look forward to it as the day with which faithful believers fulfill our most cherished hopes. Even though Jesus' disciples had frequent encounters with the resurrected Jesus who appeared to them in spirit, they still awaited his second advent. We can deduce that they were not anticipating the second advent to be Jesus' return as a spirit. For example, when Jesus appeared in a vision to the apostle John, he said to him, Surely I am coming soon, to which John replied, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Here, Jesus and John both clearly distinguish Jesus' spiritual appearances from the second advent. This shows that Christ as a second advent will not come as a spirit. He will be born as a child on the earth, just as at the first advent. There are several reasons in the principle why Christ must return as an earthly man. God created both the incorporeal world and the corporeal world. Then God created human beings with the aspect of both spirit and flesh, intending for them to rule over the two worlds in fulfillment of his blessings. Due to Adam's fall, Human beings lost the qualifications to be the lords of the two worlds. Consequently, the creation was deprived of its true masters and has been lamenting and longing for the appearance of the children of God 
who can truly rule it. Jesus, the perfected Adam, came as the perfect Lord of the two worlds. By engrafting all believers with himself and bringing them into oneness with him, he intended to make them qualified to be the lords of the universe. Nevertheless, when the Jews turned against Jesus, God had to commit his body to the cross as a ransom for the redemption of humanity. Since Jesus' physical body was delivered into the hands of Satan, physical salvation was left unaccomplished. Jesus ascended from this earthly world with the promise that he would return and complete the salvation which he had realized only spiritually. In the meantime, there has not ever been one person on the earth who has attained perfection both spiritually and physically, ruled the spiritual and physical worlds, and brought them into harmony. This is the reason Christ cannot return only in a spiritual body. As at the first advent, he must come as a human being and grow to perfection in both spirit and flesh. Then, by engrafting all humanity within himself, both spiritually and physically, he is to guide them to perfection in the spirit and flesh and make them qualified to be the lords of the spiritual and physical worlds. Jesus was originally supposed to restore the kingdom of heaven on earth. He was to become the true parent of restored humanity and the king of God's earthly kingdom. However, due to the people's disbelief, he could not accomplish this original will of God, but went to the cross promising to return at a later time and surely fulfill it. Accordingly, at the second advent, Christ is again responsible to build the kingdom of heaven on earth and there become the true parent and king of all humanity. This is another reason why, as at his first coming, Christ at his second coming must be born on the earth. The redemption of sins is possible only through an earthly life. To redeem our sins on the earth, Christ must come as a man on the earth. The salvation which Jesus provided through his crucifixion, however, is limited to the spiritual dimension. It does not resolve the original sin, which is transmitted through our physical bodies and remains active within us. Therefore, Christ must come again to provide complete salvation to humanity, including physical salvation. He certainly cannot achieve this if he comes only as a spirit. He must come in a physical body, as at his first coming. We have thus clarified that Christ's second coming will not be a spiritual coming, but be a physical coming similar to the first coming. Even supposing that Christ were to come back in spirit, it would be perplexing that the spirit, transcendent of time and space and perceptible only to the spiritual senses, would ride on the clouds composed of matter. On the other hand, if the second advent were to occur through Christ's sudden appearance in the flesh riding on the clouds, how could he stay aloft? Where would he reside prior to his appearance? Some people may object to such questions, arguing that for the omnipotent God, nothing is impossible. However, God cannot ignore his own laws and principles. God does not and need not work his providence in violation of his own principle by having Christ, who should return in the flesh, no different from our own, reside in outer space and then return born on clouds. In conclusion, we have demonstrated beyond any doubt that the second advent of Christ will take place through his physical birth on the earth. Section 2.3 what is the meaning of the verse that Christ will return on the clouds? Since Christ's return will take place through his birth on earth, what can be the meaning of the biblical prophecies that he will come on the clouds? To probe into this matter, we must first investigate what the clouds represent. The following passage is typical. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Everyone who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Revelations chapter 1 verse 7 
According to this verse, everyone should be able to see Christ when he returns. When St. Stephen was martyred, only he and those faithful Christians whose spiritual senses were open were able to see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Likewise, if Jesus is to descend from the spirit world as a spirit, then only those believers whose spiritual senses are open will be able to see him. Thus not every eye will see Christ when he comes again. The biblical prophecy that everyone will see the Lord can be fulfilled only if he returns in the flesh. Since a body of flesh cannot ride on the clouds, the clouds in the verse must symbolize something else. In the same passage, it is also written that even those who pierce Jesus will see his return. Those who pierce Jesus were Roman soldiers. However, those Roman soldiers will not be able to see the Lord at his return. To behold the returning Lord, those soldiers must be resurrected. But according to the Bible, those who will be resurrected at Christ's return are only those faithful Christians who participate in the first resurrection. The rest of the spirits will be resurrected only after the passage of a thousand years in the kingdom. Therefore, everyone who pierced him must be a metaphor describing some other group of people, not the Roman soldiers. In fact, it refers to those Christians alive at the time of the second advent who hold fast to the belief that Jesus will return on the clouds. When Christ returns to the earth through a humble birth contrary to their expectation, they will not recognize him, but will persecute him. If everyone who pierced him is a metaphor, then the clouds in the same verse should also be metaphorical. What do the clouds actually symbolize? Clouds are formed by the evaporation of impure water from the earth. In the Bible, water often symbolizes fallen people. We may deduce that clouds symbolize devout Christians whose hearts dwell in heaven and not on the earth because they have been reborn and raised from their fallen state. The Bible and other sacred scriptures also use the symbolism of clouds to indicate the multitudes. We sometimes find this figure of speech used in casual conversation. In Moses' course, the pillar of cloud which guided the Israelites by day represented Jesus, who was to come as the leader of Israel. The pillar of fire by night represented the Holy Spirit who, as Jesus' counterpart, would guide Israel by the fire of inspiration. We can conclude that Jesus coming on the clouds signifies that he will emerge from among a group of reborn believers to become the leader of Christians, the second Israel. Recall that when Jesus was asked about the place of his return, he replied, Where the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Jesus meant by this that he will return to the place where faithful believers have gathered, which basically signifies the same thing as the biblical prophecy that Christ will return on the clouds. When we interpret the clouds metaphorically in this way, it is evident that at his first coming, Jesus himself symbolically came down from heaven on the clouds. It is written, The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, and the second is from heaven. And, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Even though Jesus was born on the earth, from the standpoint of the providence and with regard to his true value, he indeed came from heaven. This is also true with the meaning of the prophecy in Daniel which foretold that Jesus would come on the clouds. Section 2.4 Why did Jesus say that the Lord would come on the clouds? There are two reasons why Jesus prophesied that the Lord would return on the clouds. First, it was to prevent the delusions of Antichrist from creating confusion amongst believers. If Jesus revealed plainly that he would return through a physical birth, then it would have been impossible to prevent false messiahs from causing great confusion. Since Jesus emerged as the messiah from a humble background, 
anyone from any social stratum with a certain level of spirituality who claimed to be a second advent and dazzle the world with a great delusion. Fortunately, since most Christians have expected Christ to return on the clouds and have fixed their gaze upon the sky, this turmoil has been largely avoided. Now, however, since the time is full, the truth that Christ will return through a physical birth must be revealed. Second, it was to encourage Christians who were walking a difficult path of faith. There are other occasions when Jesus gave this paradoxical words to encourage his followers to accomplish God's will as rapidly as possible. For example, he said, Truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This led his disciples to believe that the second advent would take place in the near future. When Jesus told Peter of his approaching metrodome, Peter asked him what would become of his disciple John. Jesus replied, If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Jesus also said, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. These sayings led the disciples to think that he would meet the returning Jesus in their lifetime. The hope of Jesus' imminent return inflamed the zeal of his disciples and gave them the strength to overcome persecution by Judaism in the Roman Empire. Encouraged by the ardent hope of the Second Advent, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and established the early Christian church even amidst great adversity. Jesus wanted to inspire and encourage his disciples, who would be carrying a heavy cross. For this reason, he prophesied that he would come on the clouds in the power and glory of God and accomplish everything at lightning speed.